Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Joel. Joel in the Old Testament. Um, I think I'll just... Can you drag that down for me, brother? I will. I enjoy preaching down instead of uh, the altitude. Joel chapter 3. <clears throat> By the way, that's uh, if you go to Matthew and then go left or west for you guys, left brain, about 11 books, then you'll be just about where you need to be. Uh, Joel is a is an interesting book. It's a book, quite frankly, uh, very prophetic, although I'm not going there this morning. Um, but Joel chapter 3, verse 14, would you stand with me? I'd like for us to read just one verse, Joel chapter 3, verse 14. Now, prophetically, this particular verse tells us what we're seeing coming about right now today, 21st century. Uh, there's coming a day, it's called World War III, the book of the Revelation. It's all about how five different nations along with Russia will come down and attack Israel. By the way, you see all of that working right now. And this huge battle, the Battle of Armageddon, in the, Joel calls it the Valley of Decision, will be fought. By the way, in my whole entire life, I have never heard politicians and people talk about, like everyday language, World War III. Have you heard that too? So we're approaching it much faster than we might think. But here the Bible says, not only do you understand Scripture prophetically, but there's always a practical truth that comes from this. But the Bible says in Joel 3.14, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. By the way, how do you get to that big World War III valley? By making decisions. By making wrong decisions. How many of you ever made wrong decisions? Yeah, it's a club we started a long time ago, and we just kind of keep picking up a lot of members. Well, um, I remember going to my preacher after I got saved, and it was real clear to me I had made so many mistakes and made so many wrong decisions. I went to him and I said, Pastor, and I don't know exactly what I was asking for, but I said, you know, I, I haven't read the Bible yet. I believe it's true, but uh, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get through this whole book. And even if I do get through this whole book, I'm not sure how much I'll really understand some of the these and the thous and stuff, words I couldn't pronounce. I said, do you know of a shortcut? Because I've made so many wrong decisions, I don't want to make any more wrong decisions than I just have to. Do you know of a shortcut? He said, he stopped for a second, looked at me. I guess I was thinking about a Reader's Digest version of the Bible, <laughs> something I could blow through and get real smart. He said, uh, yes, Tom, he said, I think I can help you. He said, the, the Bible says this. God speaking, he says, Now your thoughts are not my thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. So he says the next time you come to a point where you need to make a decision, you stop there for a second and you think, Okay, now what would I normally decide to do? Then you do just the opposite. Does that make sense? 
Isn't that good? And so, not having much Bible information, I grabbed a hold of that piece, and every time I came to a decision, uh, a fork in the road, I had to make a decision, I'd say, okay, now what would I normally do? And it was hard, it was difficult, but I, and it went against your emotions, but I, but I went just the opposite direction. How many of you know that lines you up with Scripture usually better than anything else? Now, Father, this morning, it took a whole lot of decisions to just get us here this morning. What to wear, rushing around, et cetera, et cetera. But help us this morning, right from your wonderful book, uh, learn a shortcut in making decisions and how important decisions are. Now, Lord, would you do that for us, please? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to be in the New Testament this morning, the book of uh, Luke, please. Luke chapter 23. And what I'd like to do, by the way, if you think about it, there were thousands of decisions that were made around the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm inviting your attention to just three people around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that had to make decisions. And those particular decisions, I think, will teach us an awful lot about how to make decisions this morning. Uh, and I will say this to you. Um, you want to make the decisions that line up with God's will. And I know that's a trite, sometimes general thing. Well, what does it mean? Well, so let me just give you kind of the conclusion. This is going to be a backward morning, by the way. Uh, I'm going to start at one place, and we're just going to keep backing up. Okay. So the conclusion is basically this this morning. In making decisions, you want to make sure that three things line up. One is the decision I'm about to make, um, how does it square up with Scripture? Okay, so you're gonna, your old car died, you're going to need to buy another car. Okay, the first thing you should ask, now you can pray, Lord, do you want me to buy a Ford or do you want me to buy a Chevy? And you might not get an answer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know you need a car. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is making this decision, is it going to violate Scripture some way? Now, I've read all the way through several times. I don't see the word Ford or Chevy in there. But, so the first thing you want to do, is there anything that will violate Scripture? Now, here's something that might be important. The principle of, okay, Am I going to have to go into extreme debt to buy this $56,000 nice truck that I want? Well, forget about the Chevy or the Ford stuff. You might want to ask yourself, okay, well, is this going to be violating Scripture? How many understand what I'm saying here? Then the second thing you want to look at is the Bible says there's wisdom and safety in a multitude of counselors. How many of you know that? Now, not just somebody off the street hanging up a sign, asking for something. But you ought to go to someone who's been in the Scriptures. They know what uh, their way around, see? Not just some flunky friend, but somebody that really is smarter in the Scriptures than you are. There's wisdom and safety in the multitude of counselors. So, <coughs> pardon me, ask yourself, does this violate Scripture? 
in principle or in truth. And then go to someone for counsel. There's wisdom and safety in the multitude of counsel. Then the third thing is this. How are circumstances lining up? By the way, God is still sovereign over all circumstances. Does that make sense to you? I'm in Luke chapter 23 this morning. So here's where we're going. We're going to push the boat away from shore. Luke chapter 23. And I'd like to start here in verse 44. The first man that steps out of the pages of scriptures to teach us something about making decisions is a person the Bible refers to as a centurion. Now he was a soldier. A centurion is a soldier of of hundreds, a hundred at least, uh, men. Um, the scripture tells us here, and started in verse 44, around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and it was about the sixth hour. By the way, what time would that be in Bible time? Noon. High noon, sun shining bright, and then all of a sudden an unusual thing starts occurring in the elements. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So that would be how long? Three hours till three o'clock in the afternoon. <coughs> Pardon me, this was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Then the Bible says in verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit, commend my spirit. And having thus said, he gave up the ghost. Verse 47. Now when the centurion saw what he was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Now that's kind of an unusual thing. Mark tells us in another gospel that he says, truly this was the Son of God. Ah, so I don't know what brought that centurion to the place where he made a decision about Jesus Christ. The decision was recognizing Jesus Christ for who he really was. But he does teach us this. Now, again, I don't know, was it there? I don't know what it was. It could have been this darkness over the whole entire land. <coughs> Pardon me. It could have been the sign placed above the cross of Jesus Christ that this is the king of the Jews, uh, this centurion, he lived there. He was no stranger to the rumors about this unusual young rabbi that was outperforming all the old uh, preachers of the day, uh, uh, raising the dead, healing people, speaking in a way that he had authority like none of the other preachers were. He might have even known somebody who had gotten healed. I don't know about all that. All I know is something happened in this centurion's life that day where he came to the point where he knew he had to make a decision. By the way, that's true with every human being on the planet. You're going to have to make a decision someday. What are you going to do with this man called Jesus Christ? And, and I will say this to you. No decision or putting off a decision really is a decision. You don't know how much time you have. 24-year-old cop, a policeman, and I um, was in the process of getting a divorce and uh, marriage problems. 
Our dryer broke down. An old boy came to fix our dryer. He was a Christian. He won my wife to Christ right there in the laundry room. And at the time, I thought, oh, that's good. Um, she stopped uh, the divorce and started going to church. I thought, you know, I always felt like if she could just get her act together, we could have a good marriage, you know. <laughs> but what, what really, I was curious. I was curious about something happened to her. Uh, the, the quietness, even in the midst of strife, there was something new about her. And so just out of curiosity, what, what did happen to my wife? Uh, <coughs> I went to church with her, and I was introduced to the gospel. Now, it took me three months, just hard-headed policemen, that I thought I was the good guy putting all the bad guys in jail. You know what I mean? Because my belief system was you die, you get on a scale, and if you're good, outweighs your bad, you get to go to heaven. So I thought, man, I was a prime candidate for that because look at all the bad people I'm putting in jail. But the scripture doesn't say that at all, does it? It says it's not by the good works that we've done. As a matter of fact, even back then, I kept thinking, well, if that's the case, if it's a scale, you're good always the bad then why did Jesus Christ have to come to the planet Earth and die on the cross? Even as a lost guy, I couldn't quite get that figured out. So I made the decision that particular day, like the centurion did. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Now, some of you have already made that decision. Probably I would say most of you. How many of you would say, there was a time whenever I personally accepted Jesus Christ, my decision, I made that decision. Let me see. As your Savior. Now, there could be some here that haven't done that. But I'm saying to you, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. That decision will determine whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. Everybody has to make that decision sooner or later. Then look with me in chapter uh, 23 of Luke. Uh, there's some another person that's stepping out of the scripture to help us see about another decision. And we're going to start this in verse um, 39. We're backing up in Scripture, so it's Luke 23, verse 39. Now, if you'll remember, when Jesus Christ was crucified, there were two people, two men crucified with him, the Bible says, and one, in verse 39, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now picture this, so here's Jesus Christ hanging in the middle, in the middle of the center cross, a man on both sides, right side and left side, and those men started off mad and angry and uh, disliking their situation in life. And uh, so they were kind of railing at Jesus, the one in the middle like the people around uh, uh, watching the crucifixion were doing. But then something began to change. Verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Verse 41. And we indeed justly, uh, justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing uh, amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, such a remarkable thing here when you think about it. Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me 
in paradise. Gracious. Just a decision. Now, I want to back up a little bit. <clears throat> this one man, actually both of these men, the thieves and the malefactors, teach us something about making decisions. Now catch this. How did they get on the cross, by the way? They made wrong decisions. Now, here's the truth they want to send to you and I. Uh, life is full of decisions. It's easier to make a decision sometimes than it is to live with a decision. How many of you can say amen to that? It's a lot easier to make a decision to drop out of school and not finish than it is to stay in school. It's a lot easier to make a wrong decision with a flunky friend than it is to listen to what mom and dad would coach you to do. But once you've made that decision, here's the problem they're trying to teach us this morning. You've got to live with the decisions that you make. It's so easy to take the first drink. It's kind of interesting because I grew up in a lost home. My dad drank, smoked, chewed tobacco, did all that stuff. But because in those teenage years, I had such a conflict with my dad, it just seemed like I couldn't do anything to please him. I made a decision in my teenage years. Here was my decision. I will never turn out to be like my old man, I think is how I said it. And <clears throat> all the kids I hung around with drank, smoked, chewed tobacco, and you have know, a little water stuff all in there, drizzle out. And, uh, uh, but because I had made the decision I'm not going to be like my dad, guess what? I never did any of that. Hung around with lost kids. Now, it wasn't because I was spiritual at all. You hear what I'm saying? It just, I happened to make a decision that was going to help me out down the road and didn't even realize it. Now, here's where I'm going with It's easy to make a decision. It's just hard sometimes to live with the decisions you make. Doesn't that sound right? So make sure you're making good decisions, right decisions to begin with. These two men hanging on the cross, one of them finally came to the right conclusion. Now look, this man in the middle, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's probably talking to the other fellow on the other cross. But you and I, we're here because of the decisions we made. By the way, I, I am just absolutely amazed at the, I don't want to say it, the stupidest decisions I've ever seen made by some of the stupidest politicians we've ever had on planet Earth. Are you hearing me here? Um, now, I know we have to get to the end times of World War III, but I'm not really excited about all these people that are making these wrong decisions. Uh, uh, your wrong decision not only affects you, it affects your whole family. It's so easy to fall in love and be immoral out of marriage. But you know what happens? It affects, it affects so many people around you. Your mom and dad, your brothers and your sisters. It affects uh, your reputation. See, decisions are easy to make many times. They're just hard to live with. Actually, I've got a little formula I'd like to pass on to you. 
invariably, what I've seen in life, you come to a lot of forks in the road, right, to make decisions. Well, invariably, what I have seen is you come to the point where there's a fork in the road and you've got to make a decision. Invariably, the right decision is the hardest decision. It's easy, uh, invariably, uh, to make the soft choice, the easy decision. It's going to take you. You make that wrong decision. It's a soft one. It doesn't ruffle any feathers. You don't have to stand for anything that's right. You make that wrong decision, but down the road there's going to be another fork in the road. You've got to make another decision. Now that decision is going to be harder than any decision you've ever made because it's almost like there's no right way to go. And then after that, there's going to be more. But here's what I've discovered. If you line up with Scripture, make the hard decision, yes, they're family, yes, it's my relative, but they're living off in sin, or they've decided to shack up with someone. If you make the hard decision and say, really, I'm going to decide for truth, and Jesus over what my family member is doing. And I'm going to obey the scripture and say, I am so sorry, but we, we can't have the fellowship and the relationship we used to have. If you do that, that is a hard decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? But down the road, you're going to have to make another decision. Now, these other decisions, each one is going to get easier and easier. You make the right decision to begin with, the other decisions get easier and easier. That's how it works. Here's the third one. Go with me. I want to go to another gospel on this one, please. It's uh, Mark chapter 15. Now, this is before Jesus Christ even got to the cross. Mark chapter 15. So you realize the setting was, it was a holy day holiday. People were coming from uh, all over, Jews from all over the place, coming to Jerusalem to uh, this Holy Day celebration. <clears throat> and the Bible mentions here uh, in uh, Mark chapter 15, I just kind of want to look at one verse, verse 21. So Jesus Christ, along with these two thieves, were carrying their crosses and the Bible says in verse 21, an unusual thing happened. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of, the, uh, out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross, to pick up the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, so many of the times we read the scripture and we, we don't really put our heart into it. By the way, you know, you can know everything you need to know about who Jesus Christ is from the scriptures and still not be saved. You got to get it down to the heart. It's the heart that really will change things. So if you'll let me for a second, <clears throat> I want to be Alexander this morning. So I have been planning for some time with my wife and two little boys. Do you know their names? Who are they? Alexander and Rufus. So we've been planning for some time to uh, go to the holiday, uh, Jerusalem. And it was a distance to get there. And so they get to Jerusalem, the holy city, 
and all of a sudden they see a big crowd gathering. Well, it must be some kind of a holiday event. So um, me and my wife and, and our two boys, we get up close to the crowd and it, gets, it looks like a pretty rough crowd. I mean, they're yelling and they're chanting. It might be like next door to a riot. So I say to my wife, Sweetheart, uh, keep, keep the boys back here for just a second. Let me go see what's going on. Are you picking up on this? And so I go through the crowd, and, and the closer I get, the more I'm seeing, and I'm thinking, oh, my word, something really bad is happening here. And I see three men carrying crosses. They're bloodied. They're bleeding. The crowd's chanting. They're... Uh, almost like a riot. And all of a sudden, think about this, as he's standing there on the edge of watching three men headed to be crucified, there's a Roman guard that looks at him, me, and says, you, come here! Now what would you do? I mean, you're just visiting Jerusalem. And I would say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I, I don't even live here. Uh, I'm, I'm out of state. That's usually what you say to a policeman when they stop you and you're out of state. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, I, I don't really live here. I'm just from out of state. And the, you can almost see the soldier grab his sword. You, come here! And all of a sudden, you're snatched out of the crowd. Are you hearing me? Getting involved in something you had no idea you were going to get involved in. And it was this man that carried the cross of Jesus Christ all the way up to the mountain. Now, what do we learn from him? Well, a lot of times you're not the only person that's making decisions for yourself. I think probably the toughest decision you have to make, catch this now, is the decision you make about a decision that was made for you. The decision you make about a decision that was made for you. I'm talking to this young people this morning. Young people, how many of you chose your mom and dad? No hands. Unless you're adopted, maybe. Now, here's what I'm saying. How many of you know sometimes uh, inheriting the mom and dads we have? A little weird. All I'm trying to say to you is there are things that happen in your life that somebody else made the decision for you. Now, the decision you make about the decision that was made for you could be the most important decision you'll ever make. No little kid wants to be sexually molested when they're little growing up, not understanding things. Sometimes somebody else makes a terrible decision for you. No little kid wants to grow up in a home where mom and dad are fighting all the time. And finally, the little kids get the message, uh, mom and dad are not going to be living together anymore. Little kids don't like making decisions. Who do I go stay with the weekend here? 
and weakened here. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Now those are life-shattering, life-changing decisions. You know, some of your children that you're raising, one of them, if you were to say, hey, I'm getting your promotion, we're going to move to another state. One of the kids would say, yes, I'll find a whole bunch of new friends. But there'll be one of those little kids that will drop their head. What, you mean we have to move? You mean I'm going to have to leave my friends? You, you mean Shelly, my girlfriend, can't come with me? Girl, girl, girlfriend. Can't come with me? How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are kids wired like that. Now I'm just saying to you, the decision you make about the decision that was made for you could be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. So the decision was made here real clearly for Simon. He didn't make that decision. He was compelled. Well, how did he handle that? Maybe we can get some insight here. So go with me, if you would, here for a second to um, Acts chapter 19. See, you're just driving your car, obeying the laws on the freeway, and all of a sudden somebody crashes into the back of your car, somebody sideswipes you, your car flips over, and you lose a child. I'm giving you illustrations that my wife and I have had to deal with over the years so many times. In Christian families. See? And you can just get so mad. I was thinking of one pastor that his oldest son, sharp young fellow, sharp pastor, whole family, top notch. But this young fellow, um, saving his money to go to Bible college, had a job coming home at night, a drunk driver ran a red light, crashed into his son's car, and killed his son. Uh, it was like taking a hand grenade, pulling the pin, and rolling it into the home of that pastor and his family. Every one of them faced the fallout of somebody else's decision that affects you. Weeping, crying, couldn't concentrate on preaching. It was just an ongoing agonizing, and they came for counseling. Now, the decision you make about the decision that was made for you can be the most important decision in your life. You make the wrong decision, here's what you do. You get caught in a roundabout have you ever been in one of those roundabouts? What a mystery. And especially in California, they got some big ones. You get in that center lane in rush hour traffic, you just might as well camp out for a while. I mean, you're not going anywhere, but you're going to be driving for some time until somebody will let you into the next lane, into the next lane, and finally get out. <clears throat> Here's all I'm trying to say to you. They, they made the right choice. It must have been this family, this pastor's family, because now one by one, each one of them climbed out of the ditch because they realized that somebody else had made the decision that affected them. And you can stay stuck in the cul-de-sac, the roundabout, 
or you can make a Bible decision. Now, I think Simon, I think he made the right Bible decision. Isn't it interesting? If I was writing the scripture, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be important to name a couple little boys, Rufus and Alexander. I mean, who cares? Well, apparently God did because he wanted you to see what kind of decision would be the right decision. So here we are. Uh, I've got you in Acts, right? Acts chapter 19. Are we there? Verse 33. Now, years had gone by, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forth, and Alexander beckoned with his hand and would have made his defense unto the people. Now, just camp out there for a second. Look with me in Romans. Romans chapter 16, Paul is writing. Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Paul says, salute or uh, uh, say hi to Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Let me tell you what I think happened with Simon, who was compelled and dragged out of the crowd. I think he carried that bloody cross all the way up to the Mount Calvary, I believe he had a lot of questions going off inside him. What's this crucifixion thing all about? And, and I mean, wouldn't you? If you were forced to do something, I would do some investigating. I would ask some questions. I think when it was all over with, he started asking questions. Uh, this man's uh, cross that I carried, uh, 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 what did he do wrong? And they said, well, he was a young rabbi. Really, it was a kangaroo court. He, he never did anything wrong. All he ever did was love people, heal people, all the way from the worst sinner up to the highest Pharisee. Uh, he, he, he wasn't worthy of death. I believe, catch this now, I believe Simon did some investigating. I believe he discovered what the centurion discovered. Truly, this was a righteous man. I believe Alexander got saved. I mean, Simon got saved. And then he went home with his wife, two little boys, started sharing all the stuff that he heard about this man, Jesus Christ. Are you with me here? And pretty soon, you see the whole entire family get saved. And now, two boys. Why would you name Rufus and Alexander? Because God wanted us to see them later what happened. And what's the lesson for us? Look, everybody's got to make a decision about Jesus Christ. The second truth that we saw this morning is decisions are easy to make. They're just sometimes hard to live with. Be careful making those decisions. The third third principle we're seeing this morning is this. What do you do when somebody else makes a decision for you? The decision you make about the decision that was made for you is probably the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Now, you can get mad and bitter because it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Uh, You were jilted. They broke off a relationship. Now you're mad. You can do that if you want to. It's going to cost you dearly. But maybe what Simon wants you to learn this morning is this. 
the decision you make about the decision that was made for you could be the most important decision you'll ever make. That decision, although it was a tough thing, compelled him. He made the decision to share the truth with his whole family. His whole family now shows up as, I personally believe, leaders in the church. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Father in heaven, I know there might be someone here this morning like the centurion. I mean, you know, they've heard enough of the scripture. They've heard enough of Bible. They know who Jesus Christ really is, but they've just never made it a heart issue. They've never, they know it in their head, but they've just never said, okay, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. So maybe if that's you this morning, then certainly the message knocked on your door. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Is there someone this morning that would say, I've just never really made that decision to accept Christ as my Savior. I just never really have. And I know I need to, but I just never really have. Please pray for me. Is there anyone like that? Just a hand up and down. Just quick up and down. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I think maybe I fit in the second category. I've made decisions I wish I, I wish I'd have never made. Okay, now if you've done that, welcome to the club. But maybe God's prompting you this morning to go and apologize for what the decision you made was. That's not hard. Just go ask for forgiveness. And then, boom, you'll be level again. Or maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, yeah, I think the third category really fit me. Decisions were made that affected my life. And I think I've been hanging on to some hurts and some bitterness and being mad. And I just don't want to hang on to it anymore. I don't want to let that decision that was made for me keep making more decisions and more decisions and more decisions. Let's stand, please, with the closing, for a closing word of prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're standing.